This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You're listening to the West AMY podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Way podcast from myself, Mark Carlaw, standing in for Dave Walker, and Sid Lambert, standing in for X, although he will be doing his section this week. This week we'll be discussing another positive result, this time against Chelsea, controversial decisions in the match, worrying injuries, and predicting the Spurs match before answering questions from patrons of the West Way. Uh, so Sid, you know when you go on holiday, right, you get to Spain... You know, you get to the hotel. The most important thing for me is you get that telly on. You want to know what channel's on. You, you want to know where the channels you've got on that TV, right? And then you turn it on. The Simpsons come on. You're like, oh, brilliant. You know what I mean? Simpsons. Then suddenly they start talking. And then it's like, oh, hello, Marge. And then you go, all right, this is not the same. I think that's the feeling what West Ham fans are going to get when they, you know, the patrons are going to get when this podcast, they're going to go, this isn't Dave and X. What the hell is going on? But obviously we're standing in. We're doing as best as we can, mate. You know, that's what, what else can we do? But uh, how, how are you, Sid? You've been all right. I'm doing really well, thanks, Mark. Yep, uh, I am relishing in the fact that for once in this bleak hellscape of a season, West Ham United have not ruined my weekend by being absolutely shit. So I am going to cherish it. I'm going to enjoy the next seven days after a very decent performance, and I'm going to use that as fuel to convince myself that we can go to White Hart Lane and stuff Tottenham. Oh, mate, wouldn't that be something? That would be... Oh, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. I mean... Yeah, I, I like you, mate. I, it's a bit of a sense of relief more than anything, isn't it? This, this. I mean, I just be honest. The calendar year has been pretty good for West Ham. I mean, I think that's now seven games and one defeat. I mean, considering twenty twenty two was pretty shocking. Um, yeah, I think you're right, mate. It's, I think we've got to enjoy these moments, haven't we? I mean, this is uh, this is what we live for, isn't it? A bit of a bit of a bit of a smile on our face, West Ham. There's a little bit of a feeling that things are turning around. Well, I hate feeling, you know, saying that word, you know, turning a corner because I feel like we talk about it a lot, but. Do you think, you know, should we quietly say it? Do you feel things are turning a little bit this season for West Ham? I think that on Sunday morning, when David Moyes got up, uh, went to walk the dog, he would have had a spring in his step. Because on Saturday afternoon, Mark, his West Ham team reverted to the traits he adores, didn't it? Because yeah. we sat deep, we let the opposition dictate play without creating too many chances. Mm. We looked to be lively on the break. We ran ourselves into the dirt. And we nearly, nearly nicked a winner from a set piece. I mean, that 
is the very essence of noise. So if we're talking about turning a corner, if we're talking about like extra energy, I think David Moyes will be a very sort of happy man with how 2023 has gone so far. And I think we should probably be as well because a one-all draw against Chelsea albeit a Chelsea team that really doesn't know its arse from its elbow at the moment, is still a creditable result. And it keeps up this nice bit of momentum we've generated in recent weeks ahead of, as we said, ahead of a really big game against Spurs. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, I, I mean, it's given us that little bit of momentum, isn't it, to keep, to keep going. I mean, I, I mean, we'll talk about the game in a minute in a bit more detail. By the way, before we do crack on a little bit, I just to sort of explain. So, obviously, I'm standing in this week for, for Dave Walker. Obviously, he's got some situation going on at home. So, you know, with his family, which is totally understandable. So, he's going to be away for a little while. So, um, obviously, I thought some with Dave at the moment and his family. Um, and also now X is a different situation. I think he's on Thunder Mountain as we speak. I think I think he's somewhere in Disneyland as we as we speak. Uh, yeah, around the theme park, going nuts. So um, Sid's obviously stepping in. So it's it's me and you doing this, mate. But um, is he fuck Mark? Yeah. He's on. It's a small world. He's been on it five times already. You know what he's like. He's he's not getting on Thunder Mountain. No fucking chance, son. He's just on them little teacups going round and round, trying to text get get some extra transfer news. That's all X is doing. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, 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 you're right. You ain't getting on Space Mountain, that ain't happening. No way. Um, yes, that's what where we are. But yeah, no, mate, Chelsea, that you know, let's talk about the game, shall we? I mean, it was it was a bad start for West Ham. It seems to be a bit of a theme running here that we just seem to start games so bloody slowly. But I mean, all in all, I'm happy, you know. Yeah, I think Chelsea were a little bit there for the taking, but again, I don't. I'm, I'm not too annoyed about getting a point off of them. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's still Chelsea. I don't care where they are in the league. I was saying it on the, the YouTube. You know, what I mean, we've got to realise the fact that they're still a top side, and realistically, they probably will be finishing in the in the European spots. You would imagine this season. Um, so I, I can't really be annoyed the fact we got a point. Although it does, there is a slight feeling now that yeah, we do need some wins soon, don't we? We do, mate. I do think we've got to start. You know, the way we start football matches, we've got to reconsider some of that, I think, a little bit. Because we started that game, mate, with the same sort of ambition as a hamster crossing the M25, didn't we? But, it's, you know, it's been that way for a long time now. And it's obviously uh, a deliberate tactic. But I do find it a bit sort of confusing and a little bit annoying sometimes. Because let's kind of like put it into context, you know. Sometimes getting to the London Stadium, it can be a bit of a slog, right? You know, the trains are delayed. You're crammed on a carriage, got no personal space. Then you've got to walk that green mile to get round to the park in the first place. Yeah. And by the time you get to that bit, sometimes, I don't know, I find myself thinking, oh, crikey, it's been a, been a slog, this. But when you, when you get there, right, the atmosphere starts to build, yeah? Mm. People have had a few beers. The noise gets louder. The away fans start rearing up a bit. We start giving a bit back. And by the time we hit 4.59 and Bubbles comes on, I'm there rubbing my hands thinking, I am up for this now. And then what happens, Mark? This is what happens. At 3 p.m., the referee blows his whistle and our defence goes so far back, they might as well be in fucking Westfield. Right? (laughs) And I I do think, and I hasten to add, you know, I'm not a a UA for qualified football manager by any sense, but we do offer, I think we offer too much respect to teams sometimes because if you look at this Chelsea team for a minute, this is not the Chelsea of old, right? They've Mm. got a new owner who has completely lost the plot and made 25 signings like he's just loaded up championship manager. They've got a new manager. I mean, that poor bastard, he's struggling to pick his best 11 from a squad of like 172 players. 
They're ninth in the league. They've got one win in six, three goals in six games. This isn't the fucking 1970 Brazil team here with Socrates and Zico, you know. They've got Ruben Loftus-Cheek in midfield. If we can't get into them from the first minute and unsettle them, then what what can we do? So, no, I thought the start was a bit slow for me. The starts have been slow for a long time now, I think. We sit off, we held our shape rigidly, and Chelsea, I mean, crikey, I mean, they had more possession than Pete Doherty, didn't they? I mean, there is... (laughs) There is no worse feeling as a fan than that creeping sense of dread when you can feel an opposition goal coming. And that is it. When it got to about 10 minutes on Saturday, I thought to myself, oh no, we are too passive here. We haven't learned our lesson from Newcastle. And that slow start cost us, didn't it? Yeah, it does. I, I don't know what it is. It's almost like we, we don't come to life until we're behind or there's a problem. I, I don't know why we can't start a little bit on the front foot and look like we want to take the game to them. I, I don't know what it is. I, and I, There must be a reason for it because, it's as you say, it, it happens time and time again. Um, I mean, with Newcastle was ridiculous. I don't think I've ever known a team to have the, the ball in their net twice in the opening 60 seconds. I've never known. I've never heard of that before. So, I mean, that was shocking. And then... You know, Chelsea was the same, like you say, that, that open 10 minutes, it was just obvious they were going to score. It was just coming. It was, you know, I think they had a goal, didn't they, ruled off offside, which was tight, very tight, Felix, which was a warning sign to West Ham to say, right, wake up. Because I found that Chelsea were just walking through us quite comfortably. I don't think we were really yeah. in it. We just looked, looked like we were, like you were saying, we were too deep, we were half asleep. And then they score. And then we sort of started rallying and started playing and then getting into the groove of the game. I just don't know why that has to happen. But um, fair play to West Ham, though, I have to say, despite the slow start. And again, like it was at Newcastle, we did respond and we did show some character. Is that something that you were quite pleased to see, Sid, then, and how they responded? Or were you still quite annoyed by the fact that we started slow again? I'm always annoyed by the fact we started slow. But, I mean, there's a phrase in football that someone told me, an ex-player told me a few years ago. It's called showing arsehole, which means to be brave to get on the ball, to kind of stand up and be counted when your team's not doing well. That, like Apparently players call that showing arsehole. And you're right, mate. It took it took a concede. It took us conceding a goal before we showed a bit of arsehole and got into the game. But th- we did do it. We got a foothold in the game. Suddenly we didn't, you know, you know, we got our back five away from, I mean, at one stage, I think they were in fucking Waitrose. We got a bit further up the pitch, you know, and when we did, I thought we looked a decent side, you know, and we are a decent side. And we didn't look like one that's looking nervously over our shoulders at what fucking Bournemouth are doing or anything like that. We looked a decent team. And the goal was deserved, I thought. And then after that, I, I thought we were a good match for Chelsea. Again, it's not the greatest Chelsea team there's ever been. Um, but, the, you know, the stats, I think we had 10 shots, they had 12, you know, yeah. Similar amounts on target. The only difference was the possession stat of, I think Chelsea has something like 70% possession. But yeah. I question, like any Graham Potter team, and I like Graham Potter a lot, but sometimes these teams are fucking boring to watch. They just mm-hmm. pass, 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 pass. And when Chelsea were doing that, actually, I did. I thought to myself, we felt quite comfortable here, even though Felix yeah. was doing well for them. I thought at time, I thought our back our three centre backs uh looked really good, you know, and I was really pleased with how Bonner played. You know, it was really great having him back in the mix. And I think it's good for him to have younger, fresher legs, because you know, he's thirty five years old now. 
uh, outside him. I thought we did really well, but I was really delighted, mate, because I've been saying for, to people for weeks that the standout performer of 2023 might well be Aguered. But for me, Emerson has mm. been vital, vital to the way we've turned things around, mate. Absolutely. Oh, got, you know what, it's one of our topics actually to talk about was Emerson. But going back into what you were saying, though, mate, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it was it, when they had the ball so much. I'm, I'm not actually bothered about the possession stats so much. I mean, I know that people do get a little bit irked by it and saying, well, we're at home. Why are we only on 20% or 25%? But at the end of the day, Chelsea aren't doing much with it. Like you say, they had that, that amount of possession. But at no point, really, I was sitting there nervously thinking, oh, my God, they weren't doing much with it. They were just retaining the ball. And the fact is, I actually found that when we had the possession, we looked more dangerous. Um, it was, but you, and what the only frustration is that you kind of think to yourself, like you were alluding to, is that you look at it isn't the Chelsea of old, and you look at these games and think that was a good opportunity to beat a big side. Do you know what I mean? Because they weren't that great. And I actually thought the second half they looked quite nervous. I think they kind of sensed that West Ham could nick this game. And obviously we did have the ball in the net, which we'll come to in a, a little bit. But uh, unfortunately, it was ruled out. Um, Emerson, though, mate, oh, absolutely. Like th- this new system that we're adopting you know, since the turn of the year. Effectively, Moyes feels like now he's got a bit of a system that works. This back, you know, back three with the wing backs, um, mm. it just works, isn't it? I mean, I mean, Sue Fowles obviously seems to be stepping up to the levels that we expect from him now, and he's going back to the levels where he was when we first signed him. But bloody hell, Emerson looks fantastic, doesn't he? It just looks so suited for that role. Um, I think you're right, mate. I, I think you have to say he's one of the standout performers. Really, he's, it's amazing. It really is amazing for a player. Really, let's be honest. None of us were overly excited about it because I think as a at the back four, when he's just told to defend, I think that's where he struggles. But he can't have much of an impact on the game. But going forward, he looks really good. So, um, he yeah, adds. I think what he brings, mate, is he just brings some much needed pace and ambition down the left hand side, doesn't he? But I mean, he's not just an athlete. He's mm. got really good quality on the ball. I, I think I was watching him. I was watching him on Saturday, and I thought, yeah, that. His passing's intelligent, and he's not afraid to ask the opposition defence, you know, questions by making a proper, at pace, overlapping run. And I, I mean this with all due respect because Aaron Cresswell has been a tremendous servant to this mm. club for many, many years. And for me personally, you know, he may not have had the star power of a Payet, you know, or, or had the impact that perhaps like an Andy Carroll had in the early days of the Big Sam era and all that kind of stuff. But if you're talking about best value for money signings of the GSB yeah. era, Aaron Cresswell's in that conversation, right? No doubt, right? We can agree yeah. on that, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Yeah, right. But bless him. Father time taps us all on the shoulder, mate. And football is a fucking unforgiving game. And there's just no way he would have been able to get forward like that, like Emerson did for that goal. I mean, mm-hmm. not unless he jumped on the central line or something. Because, you know... Emerson's added a completely different dimension to this team. And I, I thought that goal was a perfect example. I was really, it was nice for us to get a bit of a numerical advantage in the box. And yeah, I was just really pleased for him, mate, because I think Emerson must have been a bit frustrated with his first few months for the, with the club when he just basically just couldn't get a kick. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think he, he will be feeling that way. And I, and I, and I, I, I get the sense there's a lot of players feeling like that now. I think now that we've got a system... And it's like a players now, you know, the positions have got a job to do. You can just see the players seem to understand their roles a bit better. I think that, you know, the most part of the, you know, the early part of the season back in 2022, it just felt like we looked a bit lost. Even our key players, look, even look at the likes of Jared Bowen now. He seems more comfortable now that he's got, yeah. he's got um, Sue Fowl behind him and helping him out. He just looks more comfortable. I think before when it was just, 
when he was isolated on his own, it's almost like you could see him looking at the bench as if to say, like, I don't really know what the system is here. I don't really know what, what's expected of me. Um, but whereas now I just get that feeling that that's now, I don't know, that's, we're, we're moving past that now. That's just the system's working. But yeah, Emerson, mate, he's, he's been brilliant. I, I'm so impressed with him. And it's, it's, it's almost like I've, I didn't realise the sort of player we had. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I was getting to a point thinking, what have we signed? I, I mean, I think I, I said in an earlier video, you know, we had, um, uh, what was it? Is it Mazuaku? We've let go. And I was thinking, well, what was the point? Because we brought in Emerson. He looks no different. He's not offered anything better. Well, why have we bothered spending all this money? But all of a sudden now you're realising because he is a huge step up, isn't he, for Mazuaku, I, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, mind you, I mean, I don't know. When you said, what's the point? I thought you meant, what's the point of Arthur Mazuaku? Because, fuck me, I asked that question a lot over the last few fucking years. <laughs> he was a... Mate, he was a hand grenade on the left on the left side of defence, were you? You never knew what yeah. that fellow was going to do. Um, so I'll be quite honest. I was quite glad to see the the back of Arthur. Um, I think Emerson has raised us a level. You know, I, I remember saying at the start of the season, about seven games in, this guy. I know he couldn't get in the Chelsea team, but no one knows who's playing in the Chelsea. Raheem Sterling can't get in the Chelsea team, and he's an England regular, but. Yeah. He was the first choice. He played in the Euros final, which we lost, you know, and he was good in that. He was good in the Euros for Italy. I think he probably, I mean, I think he should have been playing since the start of the season. Uh, you know, I think sometimes with David Moyes, as we all know, he is loyal to a fault. Um, yeah. And that is admirable, mate. In any, you know, any profession, loyalty is a very admirable trait, except in football. Because it is such a cruel game. And if you're not evolving, if you're not improving, if you're just standing still, it essentially means you're going backwards. And we needed something. We needed some pace. We needed some movement down that left flank. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was one of his best games. I think, and I, you know, I'm hopeful now he gets a long run in the team. If I mean, mind you, if we can only play this system, mate, if all of our fucking centre-backs stay fit. Oh, mate, and at yeah, the moment... My God, that is a that's a big ask. Well, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, the game mostly finished one all. You know, great result, really, arguably not great. Okay, but good result for West Ham, and uh, and I think most fans would agree with that. Um, however, there was a couple of moments of where we've you know, we've got an issue that's come out of the match, real negatives from it. The first one being uh, Lucas Paqueta. So he went down. I think it was the fifth minute, something like that, really, really early on. Um, looked a sort of innocuous challenge, didn't really mean like that much happened. And when I watched it, I watched it happen again and again. Even when he landed on this, when he's gone down from a challenge from a, a, the Chelsea um, midfielder, it's almost like he's he just falls over. There's nothing really. I didn't really see him land heavily. That was my point. I don't really see much of an impact. So when he's got up and hold his shoulder, I'm thinking, oh, okay, it must just be a little bit of a knock. But it's there was clearly a big problem because then when he then went into a couple of minutes later, he was then um, in another sort of physical battle with a, with a Chelsea player. He immediately pulled away from it and stick him to the bench that he had to come off. Um, so we'll talk about that one first, mate. Lucas Paquette, I mean, it's just typical, isn't it? Just a player that's just started looking like he was clicking into form and settling into the side. Could well now be set for a spell on the sidelines. I mean, we haven't had an update really from X at the moment. I think it's still a little bit up in the air, you know, in terms of what the information he's got from the club. So it's got to be fingers crossed, isn't it? But uh, yeah, would you, did you see that as a big blow seeing Paquetta come up? Oh, out? mate, listen, I'm so fucking used to it by now, mate. I mean, this club's history with injuries is second to none, right? I've, I mean, I've been supporting this team since 1986, and I can tell you, mate, in every single one, of those 37 years, injuries to key players has been a constant factor. You know, it was like Alvin Martin in the late 80s, 
Frank McAvenny broke his leg on the opening day, 89. Julian Diggs. in the background for this, shouldn't we, this bit, this speech? We should just put some really sad music. Oh, yeah, like that Simon Bates one they used to have. Your injury nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, reliving it all. Sad, Yeah, sadly, yeah. I mean, Julian Dix in the early 90s, Stuart Slater. Yeah. What about Simon Webster breaking his oh, leg mate. on the first day of training and then retiring? <laughs> I mean, fucking hell. Then we signed oh, Paolo Futre, who had yeah. no fucking knees. In the mid nineties, he got injured and retired. And then there was that mental spell in the two thousands, the year we went down, when Decanio, Canute, Defoe all got injured at the same time. So we yeah. had to play Big Ian Pierce up front. Oh my god! Oh, and then it just goes on and, and, and on. Dean Ashton, Dean Ashton. We had to retire. I mean, like you yeah. don't get that. I mean. Kieran Dyer, Freddie Lundberg. I mean, at this point, mate, I'm asking the question: Who's our fucking physio? Hannibal Lecter. I mean, come on. I've been scratching my head about this one for years, mate. And I can only, I've got two answers, mate. You tell me which one it is. Either Millwall have secretly landmined Rush Green or we're just cursed because it never ends, mate. It never ends. And we need Zuma. We need Agued. We need Paqueta if we're yeah. going to, you know, if we're going to stay in the top flight this year. I mean, it's a, it's a it's a big. I mean, hope, fingers crossed, it's not too bad. I mean, I'm, I know that he'd injured his collarbone his early stages West Ham career, like we were just talking about. Typical new signing get, gets injured, so and it did keep him out for a few weeks. So it's, let's just hope that it's not not too serious. But let's be honest, he didn't look great, did it? Because he looked in quite he was quite in a lot of discomfort. He went straight down the tunnel. Um, it just it just didn't look good um, overall. So it was one of them injuries, mate. You know, it just always makes me laugh this because. I completely disagree. You know when you're watching a game, yeah, and then the um, someone will pull up like Paqueta did, and the chat and the commentator will say, "Ah, oh, it looks innocuous, but sometimes they can be the worst ones, can't they?" And I think to myself, "Well, hold on a second, mate. I used to watch Julian Dix stud people in the chest, right, mm. in the nineties. That looked a lot fucking worse than some geezer jumping up and down and then turning his ankle. But yeah, mate, yeah, it's it's a bad one, but." Like you say, we haven't had an update from X. Let's hope he gets back soon. We need him. Um, I thought he was excellent against Newcastle. Obviously, we didn't see much of him in this game. We still got a point, so we've got to be, you know, we've got to be happy about that. We know mm. that he, we can still produce a performance without him. But yeah. I was just getting a sense that him and Rice were just starting to get that little understanding that midfield Absolutely. partners need. So the timing of it stinks. Do you know what really bugged me the worst about it as well is the fact that when the injury happened and it was clear that he had to come off, it was obvious, I mean, for me, and I'm sure a lot of fans would agree, that um, Flynn Downs would have been the ideal replacement. And I'm not having to go at Thomas Suchet for that. All I'm saying is because if you're going to try and keep the same system you've been playing, you know, practising for all week against Chelsea, why would you bring on Thomas Suchek? Don't get me wrong. I knew he was going to bring on Thomas Suchek. I think 100% of the crowd knew Thomas Suchek was coming on. Um, but it wasn't the right decision, in my opinion. I, I, Flynn Downs would have been a better, at least with Flynn Downs, he could effectively do the similar job to Paqueta. He'd say, give me the ball. I can look up. I can make things happen. I'm a bit of a playmaker. He can carry the ball better. I, I just didn't really understand the point of the substitution because I was thinking, well, you, you put on a player, fine, to replace an injured one, but you put, you had, you've got another option there that it just didn't work for me. That really annoyed me. Um and then, obviously, the uh, the other injury was the, the, arguably the worst out of the two. 
to Naya Fagird, who seemed to grab his groin. Of, I, I don't know what was always thought. I couldn't quite work out what was always hamstring. I couldn't quite work out what he was actually grabbing. But it's obviously signaled there was a muscle complaint of some sort. Um, yeah, what, what, what's your feeling on Gerd? Uh, I mean, I'm guessing, yeah, it's got to be a pretty low feeling about it. Fucking disaster, mate. Absolute disaster. He was so brilliant against Newcastle. Produces a tackle that's like, like you know, he's been possessed by the spirit of Bobby Moore, you know, in mm. that game. One of my favourite tackles of recent years. Just, oh, so brilliant. I thought it was mm. brilliant. Uh, you know, he's, and again, like Emerson, he's added something on that left side of defence. More intelligence with his sort of passing, more comfort on the ball, which we desperately needed because, you know, we haven't really been comfortable on the ball at the back for a long, long time. You know, bless him. Yeah. We love Craig Dawson, but the football was not his friend. Right. You know, he was there to hoof it, head it, block it. He wasn't there to hit a pass into a through a tight area and break a line. That's not what he was there for. But Aguero's got the ability to do that. And he's also got the ability to hit a good diagonal, actually which really surprised me. He reminds me a bit. I don't know if you remember, mate, but do you remember when um, when we had Razor Ruddock, right? And it was, yeah. and he used to, like, for Razor, I mean, obviously, fuck me, his physique. I mean, he came, he used to, I, me- I remember the first time I saw him, he looked like he just stepped out of a Toby Carvery. He was <laughs> fucking he was massive. And yeah. I thought, what have we signed here? But he could ping a diagonal with that left peg, couldn't he? Do you remember? He used to ping them out wide to Trevor yeah, Sinclair. He did a good right. job for us, didn't he? He was a big lump, but he did a good job for West Ham. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant job for us. Brilliant. And um, Aguero's got that ability to hit, mix it up, to hit a long pass. So not just his pace. It's not just his composure on the ball. Uh, not just his distribution. We're missing his leadership as well. So, I mean, we've... We've got Tottenham, which we'll come on to later on. Uh, he's a bigger blow for me um, than the loss of Paqueta is. But what I will say, mate, is I did. I thought Ben Johnson had a really good game, you know. In yeah. that, how, how long was he on for? Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yeah, he was on for a while, wasn't he? I mean, it was about, what, 20 minutes? So we talked for Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I, I, thought, I thought he played well at um, Newcastle as well. I thought, I thought he was one of our best players. I, thought, I, I actually have been really impressed with Johnson. I thought he's come in and done a very good job. Which do, you think, um, do you think? Do you think? Do you think that? Because I, when we first signed him, I, he reminded me not just in name, obviously, of Glenn Johnson a little bit with that, you know, with the speed down the wing, you know, you know, decent football brain on him, mm. all that kind of stuff, you know, confidence. I'm actually wondering if that right side of a three might be Ben Johnson's better position. Because if there was one criticism of him at wing back or even yeah. right back, I mean, he hasn't got the best cross on him, has he? 
you know, it's, no, it's not no. much of a threat. And uh, the fashion these days, if you're going to play wing back mm. or right back, you know, we've got the likes of Reese James and Alexander Arnold. You've got to have a delivery on you. And I, I wasn't really sure that Ben had that. But I quite like him, you know, mate, at this right centre back. I, I yeah, think that could I, be I his position. Agree, yeah, I, I completely agree, mate. I think he's looked really good. I, I, it actually makes me wonder whether that is his better role now. Like you started, like you just said, like whether he's matured in that way, and you're thinking actually this is where you're better suited now. Like you know, as you say, he was always sort of seen as a sort of right-sided wing back or right right back, but it was going to get forward a bit more. But now he's definitely he just seems better, doesn't he? Far better suited, and I think having a Bonner beside him really works as well. I just, I, I, yeah, I'm I'm really impressed with him. I'm really impressed, and his attitude has been good as well. He's come in, he's worked really hard, he's looked really up for it. Um, for someone that's really, let's be honest, been down the pecking order a little bit at West Ham, and it's, you can imagine that it could be quite frustrating. He doesn't come across like a, he doesn't. He might be frustrated at home, maybe behind the scenes, but he certainly doesn't show it on the pitch, does he? No, no, no. Yeah, and I, I think you know I'll be comfortable if he if he does have to play there. Ideally, we want a grade in the team, obviously, but if he has to play Sunday, I I think that might. I don't know, his extra pace could still be um, useful because we, you know, Tottenham are quite mobile. So, yeah, I, I would, I think that could be his best position. But, yeah, fingers crossed, uh, Aguered, can, and it's just a little strain or it's something he can get oh, over God. with an injection. I, I, I don't know, mate. But on Suchek, mate, we what we didn't realise when he came on was he was going to play in goal, right? Oh, well, 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 this is what I'm going to talk to you about. So, the, yeah, I mean, obviously we had the injuries, you know, that, that, that aside. This game was not without its controversies. So, first of all, mate, before we go on to the fantastic saving um, by our, <laughs> own, our second keeper, um, I want to talk about the disallowed goal. To oh. be honest, no complaints from me. I mean, it was gutting because it was... Um, you know, you, let's be honest. If, we, if that had been, if that had counted, it was the winner. I, think, I don't think Chelsea were ever going to come back. Um, so that was really gutting, and and it, what what an valuable win it would have been. But yeah, what was your feelings on the disallowed goal? Did you did you have any complaints about it? At all? I think this, mate. I think this is a great example of why I am still on the fence about VAR because I think in some ways it has been quite useful, and in others it's been a total fucking disaster. So the ways it's been useful for me, by and large, I think it has made it harder for gutless referees to give decisions in favour of the big teams, right? Because yeah. it still happens, yeah? We saw that when we went to Chelsea earlier in the oh, season. Yeah. Although that was, it was the VAR that gave that gutless decision, right? But let's yeah. park that for a minute. But I, I don't know. I remember Paolo Di Canio once said, right, you could be machine-gunned down in the penalty area at Old Trafford, and the referee will still never give a spot kick against Man United. Yeah? And he yeah, was right. Yeah, it was, I mean, we, it's true. We yeah, never, true. we never get decisions. When we got, used to go to Anfield or United, right? Mm. The referee would never have the guts against his big teams to even consider a penalty appeal, yeah. right? Whereas now VAR has made it easier to at least hold referees to account sometimes. Not all the time. But it has made it easier for teams like us that referees are desperate not to upset the big teams, right? Mm. That it has made it easier for at least there to be more scrutiny on them. The mm. opposite side is, mate, you get goals disallowed like you get for us. And like you say, it was the right decision. But from my point of view, yeah, if I'm a striker or if I'm on the attacking team, yeah, mm. we've now got this rule where if any part of my body, yeah, my toe... Yeah. Oh, or no, my yeah, shoulder, yeah. right, mm. or my fucking nose, 
right, is uh, is offside, then I'm offside. My nose, I'm offside quite a lot. Yeah, mate, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck me, you'd have to stay in your own half, I think, mate, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, right, but if you're, uh, like, if you're that player, it's impossible to know whether you're onside or offside because the margin is so small. And if mm. we're now creating rules whereby, which are going to be looked at with such scrutiny that you don't even know in the game whether you are breaking that rule or not breaking that rule, what is the fucking point? Mm. What is the point? You know, we're just finding ways to disallow goals. I don't like these lines, mate. It's not for me. No, you know. I mean, for me. You want, you want lines, mate, get a fucking set of crayons, go and draw something somewhere. I was more than happy when we just had, like, the silhouettes of the players and you went, eh, by and large, that's probably onside or offside. Yeah, yeah I agree. I don't I, know, I, mate. What I, do you I think? I have a massive problem with the line, but the problem is the line should be quite a thick line. That That's what it should be. So if it's if they're ever kind of crossing over, they should that should be it. Like that should be considered onside. If it if 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 you're saying it's literally like millimeters offside, for me that cannot be considered offside. You can't say something's offside. Do you know what I mean? If we're talking like a fraction, I, I mean, look, it is what it is. I actually thought it was offside to be honest, because looking at it, I I, I watched it back and I actually thought straight away, yeah, he's offside, and then saw yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't really have much of an issue with it. But like you say, the the, the hey, I've got part, no issue with that. Would have been a lovely. Winner, wouldn't it? It's been brilliant. It would have been great, mate. I thought it would have been brilliant for Tommy as well. He could have, you know, had a big help in a potato salad when he got home. But yeah. I've got no issue with the decision. I do have an issue with how, like, what we're doing with this VAR thing and finding ways to disallow goals yeah. because someone's big toes offside. That's not football for me, mate. That's no, not fucking no, football. This I is entertainment. It's soap opera. It's theatre. Fucking get you know getting these mathematicians to draw their silly little lines. <sighs> I don't know, mate. It, I know I sound like a dinosaur, but it it really no, isn't no, for I, me. I, I, I mean, I would totally agree with you, mate. I, I do agree. I, I, it, I, I just don't. I don't understand why they keep doing the lines when they're so small. Like, I think once they get to that point, like you just said, if they are crossing over the lines, then it's onside. If if it's clearly over, then it's offside. That, that, that that's how it should be. But I don't know. It is what it is. But you know, here we are. Um, and then, obviously, the, the other controversial decision uh, of the day, um, which, of course, was no controversy in me. I thought it was an absolutely fine save, nothing, nothing wrong with it at all, was um, Conor Gallagher's shot, which was, you know, the last little kick-ins of the game when they've had a strike at goal. Suchek's gone down. Uh, Chelsea fat players have gone into one, suggesting that it's hit his hand. To be honest, I thought it did. I, I looked at it, I thought, oh, God. You know, and I was just expecting it. I thought, VAR are going to call this as a penalty. We're knackered. It's going to happen. And thankfully, mate, for some mad reason, it didn't happen. They looked at it, VAR. They said they looked at it while they were playing and went, no, we haven't seen anything wrong with it. Now, I've seen it in two angles. A lot of the pundits, I don't think anyone's actually stood up for West Ham at all in this and said, no, it wasn't a handball from what I've seen anyway. But I actually think he hits his knee. He hits his I, knee. Am I, am I wrong Finally. Right? Finally, someone said it. I was waiting all like I was yeah. waiting for a pundit to say, does no one think this might have hit his knee? You thought it too, right? Yeah. Because I'll tell you the reason I say that is because the ball was struck quite hard because it's yep. a shot. He's yep. going down and his hand was not on the ground. Um he's falling down. And the ball whacks his body and goes flying off. And his hand was still going down. 
I just get thinking, well, if that was his hand, you would have it would have never responded. You know, the ball had never gone off at that angle. Do you know what I mean? It just didn't feel right. Like it hit. Him. Been, you know, mate, if a ball hits you, struck by a Premier League footballer, yeah, and you're yeah. not wearing gloves, yeah, and you've got your fingers extended with no power, it's not like you're pushing your arm out to parry yeah. a shot, yeah, like a keeper, and he just fucking whacks you. It's, there's a pretty standard involuntary reaction that will happen your hand will fucking fly backwards Absolutely. but that ball, like yeah. you said right it zipped off at a right angle that i'm looking at it i've looked look i'm not 100 sure but i'm looking yeah. at it from both angles and I, I still can't tell. i think it might have hit his knee so i was just amazed but of course every pundit on under the sun was saying oh no another disgraceful decision as he usually does like to stand up oh stand. jesus christ yeah yeah <laughs> Fucking hell, mate. Honestly. I've looked at it a few times. I don't think it hits his hand. I'm pretty certain it's his knee. But, I mean, to be honest with you, I couldn't care less. I kind of, In a way, I kind of hope it does hit his hand, hit his hand because we, we just had, you know, earlier in the season got on the terrible decision at Stamford Bridge uh, for the Max. Awful. Quarter. Far worse than that. I mean, how, how they can moan. I mean, I just think, Jesus Christ. I mean, it, I mean, if, if it did hit his hand, then it's about, about right that that went that way. But I actually still am quite a firm believer that it actually didn't. I think it hit his knee. But, yeah. We didn't, West Ham didn't react badly. We weren't like we were running to defend him. We just carried on. So that's my feeling, mate. And I'm trying not to be biased on it. But yeah, that's my feeling. No, I agree, mate. So that was one where actually VAR did uh, did us a bit of a favour. But oh, they must have listen. They must have looked at it hundred times themselves. Someone in that booth looked at it and said, "Actually, I'm not sure it might have come off his knee. Maybe it was me. I don't know. You know." But uh, yeah, I, I was happy with that one. It may it would have been rough on us as well to lose. In, oh, mind you, it would have been fucking typical of this season, actually. Oh mate, yeah, that, that, the second it happened, I was certain they were going to call it back and say it's a penalty. I was just I thought this is definitely going to be called a penalty. You could just because of, as you just said, it was like it would have been the obvious theme to carry on this season. But thankfully that you know they didn't, and it was it was chalked off and said no, it's fine that nothing nothing happened. So. The game finished one all, mate. It leaves us now one defeat in the last, in seven games of 2023. Yes, we're still down the bottom. Yes, we're still in the relegation battle. But, you know, things are starting to look certainly up. And now we head to North London on um, Sunday to face our good friends Tottenham Hotspur. So it's going to be, a you know, on always a, a big occasion, these games um, for both sides. I don't care what they say. It's a big game for them. Um, I mean, going into it, I'm feeling relatively confident. I mean, I'm a bit annoyed with the injuries, but ultimately I'm still feeling, you know, our towels are up a little bit. Tottenham have obviously just got battered as well by Leicester, which I don't know whether that's a good thing for us or not. I don't know whether they need to respond, but what's your feelings, mate? Are you, are you looking forward to Sunday or are you going into it with a little bit of dread? I always go in with a little bit of dread to Tottenham games, mate, to be honest. But then again, I have seen a lot worse West Ham teams than this go to Spurs and get something. But I mean, I looked at their results, mate, uh, which I did quite enjoy, right? This is them since Christmas. Lost yeah. to Villa, shit, right? Beat Palace, meh, yeah, fair enough. Beat Portsmouth in the FA Cup, big deal. Lost to Arsenal, lost to Man City. Beat Fulham 1-0, scraped it, very lucky. Beat yeah. Preston in the FA Cup. Beat Man City, out of the blue. Start <laughs> picking themselves up like, you know, they're on some sort of mighty charge. And then they get absolutely slaughtered by Leicester. Like yeah. ruins. They made Leicester look like Real Madrid. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they are, for all the millions they're paying Antonio Conte, they are still Spurs. They're still great one week, dog shit the next. So the problem we've got, mate, is like you said, 
they were dog shit against Leicester. What does that mean for Sat for Sunday? My worry is, mate, that if we start too slowly, you know, mm. if we start like we've done against Newcastle and Chelsea and we just retreat, you know, um, back to Northumberland Park Station and we give them too much respect and they start building in the game and the crowd gets behind them, mm. uh, it could be a rough afternoon. So what I'd like us to do, to be honest, would be to just go in, you know, just go at them a bit. I'm not mm. talking about flying forward. I'm just talking about just being a bit more competitive, you know, showing yeah. a bit of arsehole, being a bit less respectful of them and seeing if we can get the 15, 20 minutes and get their crowd to get a bit nervy and start getting on their backs and get them moaning and groaning. Because once they do that, they could fold. But if we sit back, concede an early goal, oh, mate, it could be a stinker. Yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I, I'm, I'm exactly on the same mind. The part of me is uh, looking forward to it because I, f- I feel like our towels are up a little bit this season now. I feel like we've got a bit of momentum going. You know, we're, 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 we're looking OK. Do you know what I mean? I'm feeling a little bit, I'm certainly feeling better than I was, a, you know, a few weeks ago. But like you say, um, with Tottenham, you just never know. And I, I, I do worry that they're going to have to respond now after that defeat. And, you know, it's a, let's be honest, it's a big game for Tottenham. It's a big rivalry for them. I don't care what their fans say. It is. It does mean a lot to him. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm going into it overly confident and thinking we can go and, and smash him, but I'm qu- I've got a sneaky feeling that we can go and do something there. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think we will. My only concern, like you just said, and I was about to say, was the starting of the game. I think, oh my God, with the lights of Son and Kane, I do worry like we're going to start slowly, be a bit off. You know, off uh, let's be honest, if we start like we did against Newcastle and Chelsea, we're going to find ourselves one nil down very quickly, and we just can't let it happen. We've got to be at them because I get the feeling if we could keep it quiet, keep them quiet for the first say twenty minutes and calm the game down, I really think they could be there for the taking because I think their fans will get frustrated because their fans. Let's not let's not forget this. That not only do they hate West Ham, I'm going to want to win, but they recognise they're going to see where we are in the league and they're not going to accept anything other than a win and say that we've got to beat West Ham because they're they're right down the bottom. We're we're supposedly a top four side. We want we want you know. We, they should the argument they should be trying to challenge for the title, but you know, I know that's they're not going to be doing that this season, but that's where they see themselves. I, I can imagine we can frustrate their home fans quite quickly if we can keep it quiet for 20 minutes to start playing our football. That's what we want, and and um, who knows, mate? Because I mean, let's be honest, we've had some unbelievable results against them over the years, haven't we, mate? Listen, I mean, we've won games against Tottenham with fucking Andre Ayew up front. Right. So we could do this. We can absolutely do this. You know, um, I, yeah, I think I'd say I am yeah, nervous. I'd be I'd be more than content with a point. Uh, I'd be absolutely delighted with all three. Um, I do think at the minute that the other teams we're lucky in this in this division that I think there are going to be three worse teams than us anyway because yeah. there's a couple of teams down there that can't stop shooting themselves in the feet. So, uh, 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 you know, a defeat wouldn't be a disaster, but we're building some momentum, right? You know, we're playing the way Moyes wants to play. It feels to me, like I might be wrong, that for all the talk that we had, like pre-season, when we spent all this money and it was all about we're transitioning as a team, yeah? We mm. want to be more dominant in possession. We want to become a totally different type of, like, outfit. You know, we want to be able to break teams down. That has been booted into Rose Ed. Well, that's gone. You can forget all about that, mate. You can forget all about it. We're now back to doing, we're back to 100% pure boys. We're going to contain. 
We're going to try and hit you on the break. We're going to try and nick something. Hopefully that'll be enough on Sunday. I hope so, mate. I do hope so. Just talk quickly on that before we um, go into X's section. By the way, X has recorded a section, so it will be coming up very shortly. Um, I mean, when you talk about the, the system now that we're going back to, we're going back to the, the Moyes system, you know, as you say, you know, absorb the pressure, catch them on the counter-attack. Are you with the feeling that really we should have just been doing this from the off this season rather than this obsession with trying to change it? Or do you think that the change was necessary? I think it was necessary, mate, to be honest with you, because I've... In football, you have to evolve, right? If you teams work you out, players work you out, managers work you out, right? Look at what's happened to Liverpool, yeah? Mm. People have found a way, you know, their players are, are a little bit off, like a percentage off, and other teams are more confident about playing against them. And what's happened? They've nosedived, right? I thought we had to find a way. If we were going to be serious about being a proper, you know, maybe getting into that top six. You know, it's very fucking difficult. But if we were going to maintain at seventh or eighth, we had to find a way to be more expansive. And, you know, we didn't sign Lucas Paqueta, like Brazil's number eight. We didn't sign Italy's number nine. We didn't sign both of those lads to just fucking put a shift in, did we? Right? Mm. We They were brought in to help us be a little bit cuter, a little bit more... Um, tactically aware a little bit you know add that little something which would help mm. us unlock teams because historically with Moyes we haven't done very well when teams have sat back against us have we and that is a Moyes trait by the way if you think about you know his teams over the years Everton they didn't want the ball they didn't want no. possession you know they never their, their top goal scorer every season got about 12 goals yeah and then like you had Tim Cahill pitching in or Marianne Fellaini you know the only time he had a team that was, I say, equipped to dominate possession was when he had Man United, you know, and that didn't work out so well. So he is much more confident coaching this kind of football, right? Keeping yeah. it tight, making something, you know, being competitive, maintaining your shape. Antonio on his podcast, you know, a few weeks ago was talking about how it's all about shape with David Boys. So yeah. I think the transition was necessary to try and do it what this and i really admire by the way i really admire david moyes for saying you know what i'm going to try and push myself as a manager here you know because that takes guts you know there's not you know you didn't see tony pulis get to the end of his career and go you know what we're going to start playing it out from the back that didn't fucking happen you know so it's it's guts it's courageous i wonder if he's backed himself into a bit of a corner though because antonio said on his podcast didn't he we tried to be different it hasn't worked yeah. You know, I think Declan Rice might have said the same thing, you know, and I think even Moyes has said, which we're, we're trying to be different and it's not working. I don't know what yeah. that means for him going forward. You know, I really don't. We might have yeah. to come up to that at a later point, but I do think the transition was necessary. It's failed. And I respect now that we've gone back to what, back to basics, if you like. That back to basics should be good enough to keep us in this league with the squad we've got. Yeah. What that means for next season, mate, oh, that's a different that's a different conversation though. It is, yeah. It is it is, it is a difficult one. I, th- I think you're right though. I mean it's, it's gonna raise a lot of question marks, isn't it? There's certainly thing. But I just I think like I'm glad it's been scrapped, to be honest with you now. As you say, it's just now let's go back to the base, let's get it right and do everything we can to get enough points to stay up. Um obviously before we go on to the next section then, mate, I need to ask your prediction then for uh the Spurs game, which is obviously never a nice one to predict, but 
Jenny, what is your gut feeling? Where do you think this is going to end up? Mate, I think we might. I, I think we might nick a two-one. You know, and what we've got uh, sometimes at Tottenham is we've got a bit of a history of unlikely goal scorers. I remember. Did you remember? Didn't um, the much maligned Madibo Maiga score a goal there once? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it fantastic? The header. Yeah, he scored a goal there once. I remember Mike Marsh scored a goal at White Hart Lane in the 90s. So I'm going to say we might nick something and I'm going to tip Ben Johnson to get on the score sheet. So if he scores, it must be from a set piece. So I, I think we could, I think we should be confident. We should be bullish. Let's go there and try and get something. And yeah, maybe I'm going to say a 2 1. Do you know what's really weird? That's the same as my actually what I put down to. Um, I, I've got this weird feeling we're going to nick it. I don't know why. It's going to backfire on me. I know we're up losing, but no, I, I've got a sneaky feeling we're going to we're going to pull a, a good result out of the bag. I mean, and what a place to go and do it if we can, because that would be not only would it be a, you know a valuable three points, but to, to go and do it at Tottenham and and it would just be mean a lot and lift everyone and just set us up lovely because we've got um. You know, we've got Forest home after that, and you'd like to think that's a, that's a game we can claim three points. So three points at Tottenham would be absolutely massive, especially on the back of some decent results. Um, so, yeah, mate, I'm with you. 2-1. There we go, mate. It's set in stone. We're going to lose four fucking nil now. <laughs> absolutely. Right. So even though he's away and he's on Thunder Mountain and getting, you know, struggling to get in all the rides, um, X has actually done a recording and given us his section. So fingers crossed, mate, we get a decent update from the man himself. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.